Hello and welcome to our podcast, Shut the Fuck Up, We Are Not Done Talking Yet, with Sharla Gabert and Danielle Warriman. I'm Sharla. And I'm Danielle. In our podcast, we discuss current events, popular culture, writing, books, movies, and women's lives. We are smart, funny, and occasionally profane. We hope you enjoy our podcast and thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome to another episode of STFU. We are not done talking yet. I'm Danielle. And I'm Sharla. Welcome to the podcast. And today we have a very special guest, Toby Sock. Toby is my Mahjong teacher. And welcome to the show, Toby. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, We're going to start with asking you just for a short history of Mahjong in the U.S. as you know it. Well, a few years ago, there was a, an exhibition that began in New York City, and it was really about Mahjong in the United States. And what happened was there was a man named Joseph P. Babcock. He was in the oil industry, and he lived in uh, China. And he, when you do business in China, and he spoke fluent Mandarin, you play Mahjong to fit in with the other businessmen. And this was in the 19, well, the 19, early 1900s. And so he realized that Mahjong was not in the United States because people couldn't read the numbers and the letters. So he made a Mahjong set for a friend of his who didn't speak Chinese and added numbers and letters. And then he started this big idea of importing sets into the United States. And this happened right around the Charleston time and the 1920s, and it became the fifth largest import into the United States. Mahjong. Mahjong sets? Mahjong sets, the, the fifth largest import. So it was really exciting and it took off like crazy absolutely crazy there's even a little thing you do in mahjong that's called the charleston and everybody was playing it everybody was excited and then it went out of fashion and then it came back again in like the 40s and the 50s and then it went out of fashion again but the exhibition project mahjong was primarily about the jewish experience of women Jewish women in the United States playing Mahjong and how that came to be. And most of it was about that the wars were over and men went, came back, they went to work. Women were not at work. Women were home. The Industrial Revolution had happened. They had washing machines. They had more time. Their kids were running wild in the streets. They wanted community. So a lot of women didn't drive. So they could walk down the block to their neighbors and play Mahjong. They could be go around the corner and play Mahjong. So it was a very Jewish thing because there was a league formed in New York City called the National Mahjong League. And the National Mahjong League was five Jewish women who decided to do a cohesive set of rules. And pretty much we play by those rules today. It's um, 
it's the book of rules that American Mahjong goes by. So all these Jewish women were playing and it was a philanthropic organization. Um, a good deal of the money that they took in from cards that they sell, uh, go to charities, it still does. So for instance, this year I bought 200 cards and $2 of every card from the league goes to the Marin Food Bank because I chose where it was gonna go. And then someone matched it and $4 went. So I'm a little off topic there, but the Jewish organization still exists in New York City today. So it's, it's, that's why it's so heavy in the Jewish um, sort of culture. And is, that, is it true that it's like mostly like a coastal thing? So Los Angeles, a little bit San Francisco and New York, or do you find it's all over the country? Now it's all over the country. It used to be very much Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York. But what's really interesting is there's a woman named Johnny Levine. She's an amazing force. And she started on Facebook a page called Mahjong That's It. And it was named that because in the 1950s, there was a television show called Mahjong That's It, a book written by Dorothy Meyerson, who taught Mahjong on television. And oh so this site was named Mahjong That's It. There are over 19,000 followers on this one Facebook site, all playing American Mahjong. You know, and my sister used to play it. She lives in Nashville. Yeah, people play everywhere, everywhere. Like you can say, I live in Podunk Nowhere, and someone else will go, I, I'm going to Podunk Nowhere. Can I play with you on Thursday? You know, that kind of thing. And it happens all the time. It's well, amazing. Danielle, she learned in Shanghai. You want to tell us a little bit about your yeah. experience? Yeah, so I was an expat in Shanghai starting five years ago, and I started going to games with a British group. So they very much played Chinese rules. I'm sure they weren't strict yes. Chinese rule. They were some aberration of that in the British yes. community. But that's how I learned the hands are very different from the American hands that you have yes. taught me, which has been a real di difficulty to click that for me. I just got all side sideways from it. But <laughs> So exciting and lovely. So when we came back, there was some time that went by and I was a little sad. I'm like, we never play Mahjong. And we found your class at Piedmont Adult School. And we asked our friends, Jody and Mike to come. So the four of us came and took classes from you and that we met Joy and we've been playing pretty much ever since. So that's just like a little history of how we know you and tying it all in. Um, so how long have you been playing in your life? How long? Well, it's a little bit of an answer because my grandmother, my mother, and my aunts played, and I didn't want to be like them. Uh, so I didn't learn. And then I came, I came to San Francisco in 1975, and my friend Gail Friedlander, who you met, yes, right, I met at the ranch, right. said, let's learn Mahjong. And I was like, no. And Gail is very persuasive. And here I am. So that was 1975. Wow. Yeah. And how long have you been a teacher and when did you make your business? So this is so exact, I can barely stand it because it, this September is 10 years exactly. Oh. So I had been um, director of creative services at the Sharper Image and I'd been there for since the 70s on and off. 
and I loved my job and they imploded and it was over. And I kept being interviewed by one Ashley after another. It was like, my name is Ashley and I'm going to interview you. And it was, it was humiliating. It was painful. <laughs> so finally, after like my fifth Ashley, I said, okay, I have to do something else. I, I'm done. I'm just... I'm just done. So I was sitting with uh, Jennifer Millar, who is the owner of a bakery in Berkeley, Sweet Adeline Bakery. And she says, you know, you should, you should be teaching Mahjong. And I thought she was a lunatic. I mean, I thought she was really out of her mind. And then she said, you can have my bakery at night to teach your first class and see how it goes. Well, if Jennifer offers you her desserts, you don't say no. So I left. I really did. I just ba basically elbowed anybody out of the way, and there I was. So I taught my first class September 10 years ago, and it was very similar to how both of you, well, really you, Danielle, eight people in a room, and um, the ranch was very different, but um, I still do eight people, and I, it's amazing to me that I'm still doing it and that I love it. So it started with Jennifer saying to me, hey, why don't you try it? And I said, okay. You know, Toby, when you were talking about the ranch, you and I met because you came to Rancho La Puerta in Tecate, yes. Baja California, Mexico. And you taught throughout the week. You had a presentation on the history, yes. which was very interesting. Then you had a couple of classes. And one of the things I remember is that you talked about the benefits of playing Mahjong. Could you tell us a little bit about that, about just the health benefits of playing a game like Mahjong? Absolutely. I would say the same thing to a six-year-old and a 90-year-old. We are aging. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. We're aging. And one of the best things that you can do in aging is to be social, to have community, to use your brain, to learn something new. Every single piece of that is in Mahjong. And one of the things that happens in Mahjong is you listen, you look, you touch. Some people can smell the tiles if they're vintage. Um, and it really does use your senses. And it's, I think, a really powerful tool for aging well. I have people come to me time and time again that say, I was widowed, I was sick, this happened. They tell me their stories like a therapist. And then they come and they, it's consistent. It's, it's year after year after year, person after person this has changed my life. And they're a happier person, they're more engaged person. And it's, I watch what happens. And there've been many, many, many studies about not games, but Mahjong specifically, improving your cognitive abilities and your memory. And um, one of the things that Deborah Ziegley, the owner of Rancho La Puerta said to me is that she had just read a study on the benefits of mahjong and aging and your cognitive abilities. And I hadn't read it, but she knew about it, and that was really wonderful. Well, we're not surprised that Deborah knew about it. She's 94 and in fantastic condition. She's 97. 
Oh gosh, is she by I, now? I think wow. her birthday is tomorrow. I, th I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she's she's very inspiring. As she's amazing. Yeah. Somebody aging not only gracefully but in a very you know forceful and productive way. She's had so many lives already. She's like a cat with her nine yes. lives. She's an absolute inspiration. She is. Yeah. And I have another question. So I, my husband is Jewish. So as you you saw, we inherited two sets of vintage Mahjong tiles and they're fantastic. The second set needs to be a little, uh, find a couple tiles that we're missing, but we love them. And like you said, they smell because they smell like someone's, you know, smoked cigarette in a room yes. forever yes. and ever. And I, yeah, and they, they turned um So sorry. Okay. That was it. I had been on for you. Sorry. <laughs> let me ask let me ask that again. So I have a question about um about Mahjong in, uh, in regards to the Jewish community. My husband's Jewish. We inherited two sets of uh Mahjong from his, uh, tiles from his grandparents, and we sort of found them in the basement, like yours. We're like, we got to get these out and look at them. We brought them to you. You indicated that they're collecting collectors, they're gorgeous, of, right, and all that. Why is it? Do you think that Jewish people seem to primarily play Mahjong? I really think it's because the league was Jewish, and the Jewish community followed suit. I think that. Um, it, you know, that's really how it began. And another thing that happened is, uh, let's just go to my mother. All right. She and my father would go upstate New York to the bungalows and the resorts, you know, the Jewish resorts the Catskills. And, and, and yeah, the Catskills. And they were very separate then. Um, you know, okay. not that we're not in a racist society today. But at that point, the Jews went to one place, Italians went to another, Irish went to another, and it was the Jews who went to the Catskills, and they would play Mahjong there. And there's a couple movies, like um, Dirty Dancing, or um, uh, A Walk on the Moon. Oh, a Walk on the Moon, yes. A Walk on the Moon has a Mahjong scene. Right. Uh, and you'll see it. But there's also, sort of to counter this, in Driving Miss Daisy, she was Jewish, lived in the South, and she played Mahjong. There's a Mahjong scene in that movie. So uh, Mahjong was being played by Jewish women all over. Um, and really it did come because the organization in New York was run by Jewish people. Right, right. That's yeah. Right. You know, Toby, earlier you were talking about um, cards that come from the central organization. Can you just tell us a little bit about the cards that you're talking about? And um, I guess it's the American Association or whatever that kind of makes the rules and everything. So if you come from Shanghai or Singapore or Japan or Hong Kong or Kentucky, you're going to play different styles of Mahjong. All Asian styles, you do not use anything that guides you. But in American style Mahjong, you use a card that is printed every April 1st with new combinations that you put these tiles and arrange into these 
combinations that are designated to you on the card. So next year, April 1st, the rules are the same, the game is the same, everything is the same, but the combinations you make on this card are going to be different. And so when my mom was playing, she'd go down to the candy store and buy her card. And now you have to order it from the National Mahjong League in New York or buy it from somebody like me who orders a couple hundred at a time. But she just would walk to the corner and pick it up because everyone played Mahjong, <laughs> right? But that's what really makes it different from all the other styles, except for one other style, which is called Wright-Patterson. Wright-Patterson, if somebody says, I play Wright-Patterson, it's in the military. Oh, military mahjong. Military mahjong. You know that somebody is in the army or the navy or whatever. If they say, I play Wright Patterson, or there was a Wright Patterson in my book in my grandmother's set, you know that they were in the military. And I go, oh, so they were in the military? And they go, how did you know that? And I go, I'm not that smart, but there it is. Patterson. Wright Patterson is an Air Force base. Yes. And they put out a little book on how to play Mahjong. And it's, it, it's very big in the military. Well, that is fascinating. It makes sense because you have all these military families moving around. Exactly. And, it, and what does it do? It creates community. You meet right. new people. You have downtime, right? And there you are. But men play too. I mean, it's definitely men and women playing in the military. Really? Well, that's interesting. You know, I, um, when I first got introduced to Mahjong by you at Rancho La Parta, I was surprised because, you know, in my mind, and I think many people, when they see the tiles, they think it's going to be a game like dominoes. Yes. Right? And oh, yeah. as soon as I understood, I was like, oh, these tiles are more like cards. Yes. And it's more like a card game where you're assembling hands like a gin rummy or something. Yes. But I often find that when I talk to people about Mahjong, they always think they're going to play dominoes. And that maybe that's just because of the tiles and everybody assumes that until they learn to play the game. Well, I think that beginners come in and they think that if you have a one and a two and a three, you're going to be, grow. Oh, I'm golden. And I'm like, no not yeah. on the card you know you have to match the hands that are on the card yes. so they think it's just going to be a run and um it isn't and it's a little more complex than that and i've been playing for a long time and i still you know we still argue rules or talk about them or something came up the other day and nobody knew the answer nobody i mean it, and i don't even remember what it was but it was you know it's it's just the layers are endless which I love because it shakes wow. it up. One of my first experiences with e would, even knowing what Mahjong was, was I just moved to San Francisco when I was 22 and the neighbors, it was like those flats that had a common window on this little courtyard and they were playing Mahjong and they're like, shh, like mixing up their tiles until two in the morning. So that's, <laughs> I didn't understand what, I go, what is that game? And they're waking me up at two in the morning and then later found out it's there it's this precious game that everyone knows how to play in their culture and it's pretty cool i try and hide it at the beginning but i call it a game of torture and addiction <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i told either of you that 
<laughs> it sounds like the way people talk about golf, which is that mm -hmm. it's so hard to play golf well and they just can't stop, you know, and it's just exactly. a combination of challenge. Yes. And, oh, this is too difficult. But I, I the, when I played, I found it to be really entertaining. The card itself at first is a little scary. It's got different colors of ink on it and it's a little overwhelming. So you have to just focus a little and pick some things you're gonna play attention to. But I thought it was very exhilarating. I really enjoyed learning how to play and I didn't find it as hard as I thought it would be by any means to play a decent game and not feel totally embarrassed. I think a lot of beginners come to me and they think, oh no, I'm gonna be the only person in the room who's not gonna get it. Everyone's gonna get it but me. I know it, I'm sure of it. And then by the end of it, they're screaming mahjong and they're like dancing on the table with a lampshade on their head because they're so excited. So, you know, I, I try and go very methodically, very slowly, probably slower than maybe some other teachers, I don't know. But, you know, I really want someone to not run away crying, but, but really understand how to play. And um, I would say most of my students keep on going. And, and some of them have won tournaments, which is thrilling for me to hear. Oh, that reminds me. Tell us about your first tournament. <laughs> so when Jennifer said to me, you know, you should you try teaching Mahjong, I thought I had only played with my group for like 35 years, something like that. And so I thought, well, I better get out in the world. So there was a tournament. I didn't even know there were Mahjong tournaments. I knew nothing. So I went to this tournament. There were about 100 people, something like that. And I didn't breathe for the entire day. At about three o'clock or whatever it was, I went, oh, I took my first deep breath. I can't believe I didn't just expire. And I stood by the back of this massive ballroom because I just wanted to go home. I was so tired, I could have a tantrum, I was so tired. But I'm the kind of person, if I stole a bobby pin, I would be like in jail forever. Like they would go, oh, you're the one who left early. That would be me, right? So I stood by the back door and I, you know, they announced the winner of the first four games, the second four games, the third four games, the fourth, you know, games, and then the third, second, and first place winner. And then they called my name and I stood there and I was, I won the tournament and I was as flustered and flabbergasted and shocked as a person could be. And they said to me, um, are you going to come up here with the microphone from across the room? And I, I, I finally just walked up here absolutely stunned. I mean, people were asking me what my score was. I said, I don't know. I didn't even write it down because there's a scorekeeper and it was too overwhelming for me. So it was a highlight and, and it really, it showed me two things. One is I never made a mistake and that's a big plus. I was taught very well. And the other, I didn't know it, but I was a good player. And I, I really didn't know because I played with my, only my little group for 35 years. So it was, I have to say it was one of the highlights of my whole life. It really was to win that tournament. Yeah, it, it, you can tell it brings such joy to you that you enjoy competing. Um, yeah. And, and you are, what you were just saying a moment ago about being a methodical teacher, you are so patient. You're so patient. So you really give everybody a chance to 
get into the game, learn the learn the tiles, and uh, and just like help everybody develop their their innate. I mean, we could all play cards if we try. We could play mahjong too. I actually can't play a trump game to save my life. I can't bridge. <laughs> Not trying bridge ever, ever. <laughs> my mom um, was great at both. Oh. She, played, she was. She was incredible. My mother won the booby prize in bridge when I was a child. So yeah, I'm not taking up bridge either because there's no genetic predisposition there. That's for sure. <laughs> so um, Toby, tell us about your um, event coming up tomorrow. Today's May 2nd. So your event is tomorrow, May 3rd. People aren't going to hear about it until after, but your, your um, marijuana mahjong event. <laughs> so I've been teaching for 10 years and I always do... I always try and come up with new things all the time. I, I don't, I, I just need new. And so I thought for years I wanted to do marijuana mahjong, but it was illegal and I didn't really want to be, you know, have the police at my door. So it's finally legal. And I thought I'm going to do this. So last night I rolled up about a dozen joints and I'm going to have a, a small amount of people at my house because it's a tiny Berkeley bungalow. And um, I, this one, a person that I barely know at all, I've met her once or twice, was on my mailing list, hasn't even taken my class, saw that I was doing this, and sent my little blurb to Leah Garchik at the Chronicle. And before I knew it, I was getting like nine gazillion emails every 15 seconds. <laughs> it was so exciting. Everybody I've ever met came forward. And so I sent it out to my peeps. Look, I'm famous. And so I'm going to have this marijuana mahjong. So once a month, I have a brunch that you came to, Danielle, once, right? I think you yes. did, right? And, you, and, um, and it's wonderful. It's typically between 30 and 40 people. and um, so this is people who already know how to play and they're going to come to my house and play marijuana mahjong. <laughs> you know, this might be the way to pass on mahjong to the next generation. You know, just pair it with marijuana. And I, I feel like there's a bunch of people in their 20s and 30s who might take it up, who you might not ever know. It. You know, it's really interesting because I, I call my business Mahjong for Everyone. Um, I also call it Toby's MJ. But I wanted it. I want. I did not want people who were only like me. Mm -hmm. And I, um, it, it, it's like I don't really know how to get others. I tried doing a class for children, and no one signed up. So. I feel like, well, maybe this is something that could spur younger people towards me. I just don't know. I have no idea. But I thought, you know, I, I, I was very afraid to do this because I teach at very upscale private women's clubs. And I thought I'd get all this negative comments. And honestly, everybody's laughing and excited and they just think it's great. And I've gotten the most hilarious responses from people. So I'm excited about it. I think it could become a San Francisco Bay Area tradition. Marijuana I think it could be fabulous. <laughs> I think I'd be so happy to start that. I really would. 
you know yeah, I, I in any case, you're so funny that your friend puts you in the 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 chronicle unknowing to you and so so strangers are going to contact you about playing mahjong regardless if they want to do marijuana or not so it was I great so. yeah i really do you know i i've been in articles in the past um alameda magazine oakland magazine um uh what's it called berkeley berkeley hills living and I've never gotten a response. So it'll be interesting to see because people do read Leah Garchik. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, we wanted to make sure that we include your website URL so that people can find you. And I understand it's Toby's MJ. So it's T0BYSMJ.com. You can find it that way, but my real website is Mahjong for Everyone, M-A-H-J-O-N-G-G, two G's. Two G's. F-O-R, everyone, E-V-E-R-Y, O-N-E, MahjongForEveryone.com. Right, we'll put that in the notes of our podcast. We'll also put that in the notes of our Facebook page for this podcast, so we'll make sure people can get in touch with you. Um, right. Toby lives in Berkeley, California, so that's where she lives if people want to take stuff in person or just get in touch with her. And you are terribly generous with your time and uh, a gracious teacher, so thank you for being that in my life and Charla's too. Yeah, thanks for spreading the word. I hope you get to go back to Rancho La Parte sometime and just keep teaching Mahjong. I just spoke with them and I should be back there probably September or October. Excellent. And that's I'll great. let you know. Maybe that's you'll join me. Mahjong Week. That's mm -hmm. right. So I proposed Mahjong Week to them, where yeah. every night there was a movie that had Mahjong and um, a different lecture on history and all kinds of things. Oh, that would be so fun. What a great idea. I did a big proposal. <laughs> I have to thank both of you for taking this chance on me. I, I just... I, for me, it, this is a gift. Thank you, really. Yeah. So exciting. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Thanks again for joining us. All right. Well, take good care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. You can get more information about it on facebook.com backslash Charla Danielle podcast.